0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 11th episode of the Today in Town Packers podcast. We've got a lot to discuss today, lots to talk about. We're going to talk about the uh, ugly win against the Washington Redskins last Sunday, 20-15. Uh, we're going to look ahead to this week against the Bears, who are still fighting for a playoff uh, playoff spot, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, we're just going to go over everything green and gold. I'm joined today by my co-host, Braun and Mason. Braun, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. You can follow me on Instagram at LambeauLeafers.
2: All right, sounds good, And Mason. How about you? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty lazy win on Sunday for the Packers, but at least it was a W, and we we got that one game lead on the Vikings, and um, yeah, and the uh, and the Niners beat the Saints, so we got the second seed currently. So couldn't be happier. And you guys can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at PackerPosts.
0: Yeah, it's definitely pretty helpful that uh, you know, you zoom out. You we're so zoomed in on the Packers looking. Terrible, pretty terrible on offense against the Redskins, but you look at other teams, the Saints lost, we're the two seed right now, and the Vikings were still one game up on them, and the Vikings, they didn't look extremely well against Detroit, they only scored 20 as well, against an even worse defense, so uh, that's something to be optimistic about, but today on the podcast, as we said, we're going to discuss last week's win, we're going to look ahead to this week's game against the Bears, but first, we have some news, not much news to discuss, we're recording this on a Monday, which is odd for us, but um. Matt LaFleur, first Packers head coach in Packers history to win 10 games in his first season. uh, That's pretty awesome. I mean, you go back to preseason and kind of look at everyone's expectations for the Packers this season. Sure, some were very optimistic because that's how football fans, that's how sports fans are. But, I mean, realistically, you would be surprised if Matt LaFleur won. If Matt LaFleur made the playoffs, if he was the two seed right now, which he is. Uh, so yeah, just a great, great rookie season for him. He's got some flaws. He's got some, uh, some growing pains to overcome still, but he's done a great job.
1: Yeah, he absolutely has. And you just, you look at the body of work the Packers have put forth so far this season and it's, it's win after win after win. And we've kind of, you know, gone through the adversity that we face. And, and even when we're not playing great, we're coming out with wins and, uh, that that's, that is, has a lot to do with the coaching and it has a lot to do with the leadership in this team and it starts with him. So. Uh, he's definitely a coach of the year candidate, and this is uh, something that'll go down in history as one of the great Packers starts of all time.
2: Yeah, he was given a pretty good roster for his first year, and uh, I don't think anybody outside of Wisconsin really expected the Packers to be in a position to get a first round buy. But you know, we're we're here, and we're we're kind of we're kind of struggling right now. It's not we're not the prettiest ten and three team that there's ever been, but you know, it, it's it's impressive. I don't think I don't think a first year head coach is is ever expected to do this well, but yeah, Matt LeFour has been pretty impressive. He's just kind of getting through those first year kinks and, you know, he's going to, you know, I'm not trying to jinx anything, but he's going to, he's going to have a, a chance to play a playoff game, hopefully at Lambo in his first, First ever season, so pretty exciting stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And have we have we kind of overstated how much more talented this roster is? I mean, on defense, on paper, it's certainly much there's certainly much more talent on that side of the ball, but they're not playing much better than they were last season. Um and then on offense, it's pretty much the same <laughs> the same pieces on offense. Uh maybe got a little worse with the loss of Randall Cobb. I mean, we've upgraded the right guard spot, but I don't think this roster is much different, and a lot of people say that, like, it's because he's got Aaron Rodgers, because he's got such a great roster, but, I mean, this is kind of almost the same team that we had last year, and we are in a much, much better spot at this point than we were at this point last season, um, so I think I think it's just incredible for him. Like you said, Ron, he's definitely a Coach of the Year candidate, or at least should be. Uh, he's not really recognized as that by the national media as of right now, but... Yeah, I think I think he's just done a phenomenal job.
1: Yeah, and what when, when you talk about the talent on the roster and if that's overstated or not, I don't know how you know, that's a hard question to answer because on defense the talent is clearly a you know, above and beyond what it was in 2018. Uh, obviously with the additions in the secondary, you know, up front with the Smiths, uh I think it's clearly more talented than we've had in in many years on defense. But like you said on offense, we didn't really add anything in particular. I mean, uh, even even like Elton Jenkins, maybe the the clear guy that we got in the off season to help our offense. He kind of just plugged in and and played that spot that Lane Taylor was playing at a, at a decent level last year. And obviously he's been better than what Lane Taylor was for us. But uh, we haven't seen anything you know drastic uh, from the offense in terms of improvement. And that has a lot to do with the fact that we stayed with a similar core and kind of ran with it and hoped that defense uh that our defense would kind of take the reins and uh, kind of balance us out as a team overall. And and that's happened so far, and uh, we're looking to still improve on both sides of the ball. But, uh, yeah, definitely uh, something that Matt LaFleur has to take a lot of credit for, and, and he deserves all that credit for sure.
2: Just the biggest difference I've seen from 2018 to 2019 is just our free agent acquisitions. You know, Zadarius and Preston replacing the the old guys Clay Matthews and Nick Perry. Those are huge upgrades. Clay Matthews and Nick Perry did not produce at all. Kyler Kyla Frackel was our leading sack leader last year, and then getting Adrian Amos and the. You know to take the place of haha Clinton-Dix slash Kentro bryce that was that was just a huge game changer. We know Kentro Bryce was not a good safety and Haha Clinton-Dix was a huge liability back there was just not didn't didn't put the safe in safety if you know what I mean Adrian Amos is just a nice little security blanket back there is, and that's pretty much changed our defense our, you know. Our defense hasn't really been the same since the first three games, but it's, I think it's been better than it has last year. And, you know, just like you guys are saying, I, I think we had a lot of expectations for Equinidia, St. Brown and Mark and, uh, MVS coming in the year that they could be true number two and maybe three or four wide receivers. But that hasn't really been the case, obviously. And, you know, I think the offense has really seen, you know, the lack of a clear number two guy besides Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham's level of play hasn't really pin what we've been paying them to do so i mean i we're just i think we're better than we were definitely in 2018 new offense new everything
0: but yeah i mean that's kind of like the the casual fan perspective is like well our offense isn't setting the world on fire so he's not that good of a coach he's not coach of the year but head coach is not offensive coordinator it's not passing uh passing game coordinator it's head coach you coach the entire team the whole team looks up to him it's about leadership it's about listening to your players it's about accountability and and i think that's something he's excelled at i mean you look at the culture of the locker room everyone is like a big family you see the locker room videos after every game it's like a big family there and that's something that i didn't really sense in years past um so I think that's that's something that he really excels at, connecting with teammates or connecting with his players. We heard a lot about that this offseason, how he kind of uh how that's kind of his game, how he how he's able to connect so well with his players, and we've definitely seen that. I mean, maybe the offense isn't where we would want it to be, but I think he's we're ten we're ten and three. That doesn't just happen. It's not like we've it's not like we're the Patriots and we've played a bunch of cupcake teams early on in the season and now we're up to ten wins like we've had a pretty tough schedule and it just, just being at t- 10 and three, the second seed in the NFC, that alone is impressive, especially under a, a rookie head coach.
1: Yeah, we definitely, we've, we've had a, a, a couple tough games, but I wouldn't say our schedule has been one of the tougher ones in the league in terms of the teams we've faced. At least obviously we've had to go and, and face some tough road stretches and things like that. Um, uh, so I, I do think we've, Kind of benefited uh, by facing some of the, you know, some backup quarterbacks and and some of the league's worst quarterbacks. Uh, You're looking at, you know, the guys we faced. It's really Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott in in terms of the the quarterbacks on that uh, elite level uh, that we faced this season. So uh, that's the challenge that we have to kind of get accustomed to and that we've really yet to face. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see how we do, uh, you know, going against some of these teams come playoff time. Uh, Against with with these better quarterbacks. And going back to what Mason said about Adrian Amos being kind of that safety blanket, he's really been maybe the most consistent secondary player that we've had in years. And uh, that's been a huge boost to our team. He's played basically every snap for us this season. He's been one of the most reliable players on our team overall. And and he had one of his best games as a Packer last uh, on this last Sunday uh, against the Redskins. So uh, definitely that was, I would say that's, you know, one of the better adi- additions we've had in free agency in the last decade. So uh, looking forward to what he can do for us going into the future.
0: All right. And our next piece of news, not really news, but uh, MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling had such high hopes for him coming into this season. And he's been nowhere to be found the last six, seven weeks. Um, And <laughs> on Sunday, he only had 10 snaps, which is the fewest of um, the season for him. And he recorded no catches, no yards, obviously, but yeah, only ten snaps he's uh he's getting buried on the depth chart right now by guys like Alan Lazard and jay Kummerow. uh I mean it's so hard to just like pin uh, what what are your guys thoughts on that
1: yeah m v s is a guy that we all had high hopes for coming into this season, but something i don't think Packer's fans really realize is that he was a fifth round pick. I feel like we as Packer's fans kind of expect guys to produce regardless of where they're drafted and i think we have to realize that you know a fifth round pick isn't going to come in and light the world up especially not in his first second year uh, he, he's played well for us especially last season more so than this season but i'm not looking for him to come out and play extremely well and be a number one receiver uh, i just don't think that that's something we drafted him to be i don't know what you want to you know what are you looking for by drafting receiver you know three receivers in the fourth fifth and sixth round i, I mean you can't expect to get a number one receiver out of that. And you know, well, we're a draft and developed football team, but that that's not the way we should be going about business if we expect to get guys, especially number one guys in the draft that late.
0: Well I think that I think the thing with that frustrates a lot of people with MBS is I mean, even going back to last year early in this season, he was our deep threat. We weren't relying on him to be our one or even our wide receiver two. He was just the he was the guy you can throw a bomb to, get forty yards on a play he's not even getting that anymore. He's not even like beating guys with his speed. Uh, that's kind of like Alan Lazard for us right now. We're running him on a lot of uh, routes MVS used to run, which is weird considering their skill sets. But yeah, I think that, I I mean, I don't think anyone was expecting him to come in and light the world on fire. I'm sure some people were, but at least I wasn't. I. I. That's his role. He's the deep threat guy. He's going to burn by a corner and gain a nice 35, 40 yards on a play. But he hasn't even been that, which is, very disappointing.
2: I think just after last year we saw him just all of a sudden jump in front of Jeronimo Allison on the depth chart and pretty much be our third receiver and he was he was balling out. He had a couple of touchdowns. He finished with about five, uh, 600 yards and I just think going into the season losing Randall Cobb fans just were really hoping MVS could be the number 2 and you know produce but as we saw these these last 5 games he's only had two catches for 11 yards. In the last 5 games that's that's n- not Wide receiver number two type material. alan Lazard has definitely passed him on the depth chart, and and yeah, like you said, ten snaps last last week. Um, and I don't I don't think he was listed on the injury report at all. I think I I, I don't know what's going on with the man. It's hard to pinpoint. I just think he is that deep I mean, type guy, and yeah, I, it could be it could
0: be an injury thing. He was dealing with that uh, ankle sprain, I believe. But that was like week six. I mean, that should be completely healed by now. He's not on the injury report, like you said. So I don't think it's injury related. I just think like
2: it must, I think it's just the emergence of Alan Lazard and I, and getting these tight ends involved. Like we saw Jay Sternberger get a red zone target. We saw Robert Tanyan last week score a touchdown. I just think other weapons are emerging and I don't know if people are just, you know, passing him up. Like you said, he's a deep ball guy and I don't think our offense has really been targeting the deep ball lately.
1: It's something that we just—it's—it's it's not something you can just tangibly look at and say, okay, this is the reason he's not playing well or he's not playing at all, barely. It's just—it's a—it's com- a combination of things, like you said, Alan Lazard emerging, Geronimo Allison is still getting snaps as like the wide receiver three, slot receiver type guy, and then obviously, like you said, the tight ends, Jay Sternberger on the—you know—he's in—he's in the game on the first play and. After we activated him from IR, all of a sudden he's getting, you know, some significant snaps. And obviously Robert Tanyan as well and Jimmy Graham are taking up a lot of the plays as well, and, I, and Mercedes Lewis, obviously. So there's a lot of guys that we have to get involved, and in. Aaron Jones is, is another one that's taken up a lot of the passing game, and he's really doing a lot for us. So it, there's just not a lot of, th- you know, not a lot of balls to go around. And when you're passing the ball for 180 yards, you know, on average in the last five weeks, that's just you know, there's not a lot of room for success for a lot of guys. So, I don't know. It's just something that we have to monitor, and you never know. He could start to play well, if you know, and then he's all of a sudden back up in the in the uh, in the game playing a little more. We've seen Jake Kumro kind of, you know, his snaps have gone down after getting the, quite a few during the middle of the season. So, and that I don't think that has anything to do with his play in particular. I just think, like you said, Alan Lazard, the tight ends. So, it, it's just something that it's kind of a fluid. I think it's a fluid thing that we're looking at right now, and we're going to have to see how he progresses as we head into the playoffs.
0: You look at all the wide receivers on this roster. Is there a guy that maybe Rodgers trusts less than MVS? I mean, it seems like every time MVS is on the field, every time he's targeted, it's followed up by the shot of Rodgers giving him eyes or, like, barking at him or doing whatever hand gesture he does because I feel like he and Rodgers just haven't been able to get on the same page. We've seen so many... Uh, Going back to last season, we've seen so many times Rodgers targets him on a deep throw, and it's just a little short or a little deep. I don't think he can find that rhythm with MVS. like maybe he can for other receivers on the roster. It's like going back to training camp, you hear Rodgers talk about all these young receivers like Alan Lazard. That's been his favorite this year. Last year was Jake Kumaro. He's since even in Adams, Devontae Adams' bad season, his sophomore season in 2015, Every week, Rodgers was like, "Nope, still like his skill set. Still think he's a talented player. Still going to give him targets." We haven't seen him do that with MVS. I don't know what that is. Um, yeah,
1: maybe it's something like you know, maybe it's like as the weeks have gone on, Aaron Rodgers has just you know in the in the meetings with Matt Lafleur and things like that, you know, Saturday morning type stuff. Maybe it's Aaron Rodgers going going to Matt. You know, this guy's just not ready. Like it must be something. Obviously. Uh, Early on in his rookie season, there was talks about him kind of struggling with the playbook and things like that, similar to what Jamon Moore was at. Uh, And obviously, you know, MVS kind of got out of that funk, and he obviously produced for us more. But maybe, maybe he's just not ready. This is a new offense once again, so he's kind of had to learn uh, from from the start, just like he did last year. And maybe this is just something he's he's not having an easy time with picking up, you know, the new offense in general. Maybe he's just not ready. I think that could be it, and that's maybe why we've seen his play go down, his playing time, uh, because he's not producing, and he's maybe he's not got a full grip on the offense.
2: I'm really interested to see what the Packers do this off season with wide receivers. Geronimo Allison is uh, I think he we only signed him to a a tender, right, a one year yeah. little deal, yeah, just the one year.
1: Yes. And it so doesn't.
2: Yeah, and I honestly, the way he's playing, I don't know if he'll be back. I I really don't. So I tend I, to doubt it. I, I doubt it too. And I I know really this depends, this draft it really class. It
1: is- really depends on how he plays down the stretch here. If he starts to produce, like it looks like he has flashed some kind of, you know, what he was doing at the beginning of last season. If he can continue playing at that level, I think there's a shot we bring him back once again on a really low level contract. But you know, I mean considering the guys that we have at receiver right now, I don't know what we're gonna be able to do at that position. So maybe he is a guy we bring back.
0: I don't think he's been good enough all season (laughs) I mean he had a good game against the Giants and then the Redskins he caught one pass where he's very lucky he was ruled down by contact because he uh fumbled it he fumbled it pretty bad fumble didn't count luckily for him but yeah I don't think he's done anything anything at all he's been so disappointing more disappointing than MVS maybe that's just because I didn't have very high expectations for MVS going into the season but uh Geronimo I don't want to get into Geronimo, but. He frustrates me more and more every week. He's just, what does he provide to an offense? I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get into that. Moving along here. Braun, I believe you have the Packers, <laughs> the Packers, Um, what needs to happen for the Packers to clinch a playoff spot this week. So if you want to get into that.
1: Yeah, so it looks like for the Packers this week, obviously, we've got to come out with a win against Chicago, uh, a, a huge game, you know, because they're coming out, uh, three straight wins, and. And the only other thing that has to happen for us to clinch a playoff spot this week would be a Cowboys victory over the Rams. And, you know, that looks a little suspect right now based on uh, the Cowboys' recent games and what how they've been playing uh, and what the Rams just did to the Seahawks on Monday night. But regardless, the Packers control their own destiny uh, in terms of both the bye and the playoffs. If they come out with the, the three wins in these final three games, then they will clinch a bye. Uh, Likely the number two seed at this point, so uh, yeah, that's definitely going to be interesting to see what we do uh, moving forward and and how early we can clinch a playoff spot. That way we can kind of get into resting starters and things like that if if the buy isn't in play.
2: Yeah, man, I'm just happy we're not in the same position as we were last year. I I remember for my Instagram, I made two different path to the playoff posts where I, I pretty much just laid out where who needed to lose and how many games they needed to lose and Obviously having the Packers having to win out. I, I did one for where the, if the Packers could have won five in a row and I did one where they had to win three in a row. Yeah, we're not at that point. As long as we can win three in a row here, like you said, Bron, control our own destiny, first round by. That's, that's kind of what we're looking at. And, and yeah, I don't trust the, the Cowboys to help us out this weekend. They've been very rough as of late.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. We like two seasons now. All of us uh, Packers pages on Instagram making these stupid path to the playoffs, uh, um, path to the playoff posts where we have to win out. We need a million other teams to lose out and whatever, whatever nonsense we needed. We don't need that anymore. We're ten and three. That's amazing because I I am so beyond sick of seeing those posts because <laughs> I get my hopes up. I get my hopes up. I'm like, this could happen. We could make the playoffs at nine and seven. And yeah, it w- it would never happen, obviously.
2: <clears throat> it, it looked so doable last year. I literally, the, the week of the time I posted it, we lost, we lost to the Cardinals. That one was <laughs> down the drain. And then we lost to the bears. And that was, that one was down the drain, but it, it looked possible the way it was laid out. But yeah. It yeah. Just, I remember that post. The waist. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather have that's, it how we are in 2019. Just, just went so, out.
0: That's so funny because when we fired McCarthy after the Cardinals game, uh, we won, we blew out the Falcons next week, uh, week 14, and <laughs> I, every, I, before that Falcons game, everyone everyone was saying, all right, we're going to win this week, but don't get your hopes up, Packer fans, because, I mean, this is a bad team, a team we should beat, don't get your hopes up for the playoffs, and then we blow them out, and <laughs> what do you see? All all these, uh everyone, every Packer fan's getting their hopes up, which I was too.
1: Yeah, and the way it ended up going was we, we wouldn't have even made it anyway if we won out, which was disappointing. But luckily, yeah. we don't have to worry about that this year, and yeah, it's pretty much smooth sailing from here on out, uh, regardless of kind of what happens. I, you would have to think if we get one more win, we're in. I, you know what I mean? Like, do you guys agree with that? Do You think eleven would do it?
0: Yeah, I mean, what did, McCarthy, what did McCarthy used to always say? Ten wins, then we talk about the playoffs.
1: Well, this year is different because <laughs> we've got such a top-heavy NFC. It's like you, it's like eleven's kind of like you're you're kind of at like that point where you probably will get in. And that's crazy to kind of even say 11 wins is a complete that that's like for almost a first round bye, you would think you would think 12 is the first seed most years so it's, it's a weird year but yeah we're lucky to be at that top and, and in that top heavy nfc and we're on that top side so it's kind of cool to just after two years of just not being in the conversation that we would like to be in you know to be at that at that number two seed it's just it's something special and we got to enjoy these moments while we can with Aaron Rodgers. And, uh, hopefully
2: we can go all the way this year. It's been too long, man. It's been way yeah. too long. 10-3.
0: When's the last time we had 10 wins by week 14? It's going to be 2014, right?
2: Couldn't but, even uh, tell you. We haven't had yeah. 10 wins in a season since 2016. Yeah, and that was a stretch.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was. <laughs> we had, <laughs> had to run We had pull out six in a row, yeah. Man. So, I mean, we haven't we haven't been in this position where we don't need anyone else's help and it's actually pretty very likely that we'll make the playoffs since probably uh 2015 maybe um but anyways we're going to move along here uh our last piece of quote news not really news uh Tyler Irvin comes in claimed last week off waivers and he comes in and he rejuvenates the whole punt return unit he gained Fifty-one punt return yards on how many punts, Mason? Uh
2: four. He had two fair four, catches. Too. Four,
0: four, four punt returns for fifty-one yards. Compared to uh, weeks one through thirteen, our three combined punt returners had negative eight yards on, I believe, eleven punt returns. Um, we were we were on pace to set the record for, um the fewest punt return yards in an NFL season. It's been talked about ad nauseum. We were at negative eight. The NFL record was 27 by the 1965 St. Louis Cardinals. And now we're up to what? 43, 43 on the season.
1: Yeah. Good math.
0: Good math. Yeah. Good math. I know.
1: It was really cool to see, uh, you know, after every punt return, that's the longest punt return for the Packers this season. Now that's the longest return for the pack. You know, that was, that was kind of fun to watch. And, Definitely, you know, that was something that kind of was a big momentum gain for us where even, even in a game where it's not particularly, you know, a blowout or anything like that, that was definitely something that you felt like we can go out and win just because, you know, that was that was probably the biggest issue with our team going into that game. And, and to get that corrected in a way, you know, looked like the blocking was a lot better. And obviously, we've got a guy able to return it for a decent amount. We were winning the field position battle all game, and that was something we hadn't done in a while. and. Uh, yeah, I was impressed with that aspect of the game.
0: I don't think the blocking was exponentially better. I mean, it, it was kind of the same thing Traymond Smith was dealing with. Um, but Tyler Irvin, he's not messing around. He takes that ball and he runs with it. Traymond Smith was a lot of uh, lateral movement, running backwards, obviously, because we had negative eight punt return yards on the season. Uh, Tyler Irvin doesn't dance around when he catches the ball like some of those other guys would. And obviously, it worked out well. So,
1: Yeah, a guy like that running back, you know, hard runner uh you know he's not gonna you know look around to finesse guys he's gonna try to power through them and that's what he did
2: he legit got it to the 50 like three times that's 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 crazy to think about that our longest part return of the season going into this year was th- or going into this game was three and he he had four of them over 10 yards like it's a it's it's a little thing but I feel like it, it helps a lot
0: yeah it does Field position I mean the offense can do anything with the field position but no. it was it was, yeah, let's, it was let's definitely talk about great that
2: offense.
1: let's talk about that offense
0: all right why don't well, why don't we take a deep dive into the Redskins game from yeah, last let's Sunday
1: talk about that talk about that offense from the Redskins game uh obviously we go up 14 nothing and things are looking great what was that the first quarter we were up 14 nothing Yes. early second yeah right so uh, late late first yeah. quarter late first quarter okay so you know, obviously, as Packer fans, we're like, oh, this is going to be a blowout. You know, December football, this is what we were looking for. And then we just kind of stalled. I, I don't I don't even know how to explain it. But after that, after those two touchdowns, we kind of stalled in the passing game as Aaron Jones kind of continued to do what he does. But uh, we'll get into all that. But uh, what did you guys think of the performance overall?
2: Personally, I was disappointed. Like you were saying, we went up 14-0 in the first quarter. I thought it was going to be another... You no know, Raiders game where Aaron was just about to go off, but we scored six points in the last three quarters against one of the worst teams in the NFL. I was, I was disappointed. It's just, our offense was pretty stale again. Um, you know, the defense held up Adrian Amos had a really good game. We, we beat up Dwayne Haskins. He was, he was looking rough by halftime. But, uh, and then we had another Aaron Jones game. I'm, you can't complain about that. Seeing Aaron Jones go off was, was refreshing. I feel like it's, it's been a, it's been a minute since we've had a, had a classic Aaron Jones 2019, you know, blow up game. But other than that, I was just disappointed. I really did want to see the Packers just beat up on the Redskins and get a little confidence boost going into, you know, having Chicago come to Lambeau next week, but it, it just didn't happen. And, and that's, that's pretty much all I can say.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not even kidding. That was one of the worst games I've ever watched. It's up there with the Cardinals game from last year. It's up there with uh, – uh, I, I, it wasn't like a bad game to watch like the San Francisco game was. It was just unbelievably boring. Our defense was uh, giving up yards but would eventually force a punt, and then our offense, you just knew they weren't going to do anything. That's how I was. Um, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, that was – One of the worst games I've seen him play since I started watching football. I swear to God, it was so frustrating watching that guy. I mean, it's impossible to know without the uh, All-22 being out to see who was, like, which routes he was turning down or whatever. But it certainly looked like he was turning down a lot of open guys and scrambling for no reason. Every play, he would take the ball, uh, start running around, pointing at guys, waving guys over. And that, it, it, it felt like a 2018 game from Aaron Rodgers. And... We haven't really seen that this year. We haven't seen him go back to those old tendencies. I mean, in certain spots he has, but we haven't seen him do it for a full game like he was on Sunday. And uh, yeah, like I said, you got you got to watch the coach's tape to really see what he was seeing to see what how how poorly he was exactly how poorly. But I mean, he he was just so out of rhythm in this this season. I've been actually pretty impressed with how. He's been playing within the rhythm of the offense because we know that's not really what he wants to do per se, but some games he's played strictly within the rhythm like the like the Raiders game or the Chiefs game, um, and those were our best wins. Those were our best offensive performances in the Cowboys game, so I wish he would just – I wish he would stop trying to play backyard football where he runs around and points at guys because – I don't know. Maybe he can't do it anymore. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't have the same guys I used to. He definitely doesn't, but uh, it's just, I wish he would buy into the offense. You know what I mean?
1: I, th- I think he'll see it, you know, on tape. I-, I think this is just one of those things where it's just like the feel of the game. He's obviously, he had something in his mind where it was where he was seeing things that maybe wasn't on the field or whatever. Like it's kind of hard to explain because you don't really know go- what goes through such an intelligent football mind, like Aaron Rodgers. what, what would make him kind of deviate from the the game plan and and you know the, the certain reads on you know first and second reads and things like that to go scramble? But for me, I just I think this is one of those things where he's gonna look at it and see what he did wrong. And it was it must have just been one of those games where he just wasn't feeling it. Obviously, the Redskins' defense isn't anything, you know, to, that that would scare anybody, especially a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, I'm not sure what what went on there. It's hard to say, really. I I wasn't encouraged by that performance, really, by the entire offense as a whole. We're just lucky that we've got so many ways to win on the offensive side of the ball because, you know, in a game where where our, our passing offense isn't that great and plays the way that they did, most teams wouldn't win games like that because a lot of teams, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, thing. You, there's nothing that we can hang our hat on. You know, nothing that we do well, nothing that we do really particularly well. And to me, that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. That For me, that's just something a defense can focus in on and try to stop every week. But the, the way the Packers play and win, they don't have anything in particular that they just do really well. They have so many things that they can do well. So when one thing's not working, they're going to run the football or they're going to throw the football or whatever's not working, they can overcompensate by doing something else really well. And that's not something every team in the league can do, and that's what's gotten them so many wins. And you know, it's just one of those things where you know Rodgers didn't play great this week. Well, we'll have to see what
2: happens next week. But
1: obviously, Aaron Jones had a great game, and, and that and that got us enough to uh, get the win. So, and that's all that really matters in the end.
2: Yeah, Griff, I'm with you there. That game was super boring. I've I've never. Ever even contemplating doing this, but I really wanted to turn on the the Saints too, and man. Niners game to present the of it. Me too, I've, man.
0: I was seeing those point. in-game updates. The Cynthia or uh, what's their face, Christina Thompson, bringing in their uh, touchdown Niners, touchdown Saints, forty-eight, forty-six, whatever the score was. I was like, I wish I was watching that right now. Same, I wish man. our team looked like one of those teams. That's you all. You guys I can are think.
1: doing it wrong, man. You guys are doing it wrong. I got both games on—one on my phone, one on the TV. Well,
2: look at you. Hey, see, I, I can't do it really that.
1: matter that much.
2: I don't know. It distracts me. I just, I try to pay attention to the Packers game, but like, yeah, me too. I, I wish we could have blown them out, so I coulda, so we could have caught the end of the game, cause that was, that was insane. That really was, that's probably the game of the year so far. Yeah,
0: for sure. But yeah, Bron, that's that's that is something that I'm trying to think of that I'm trying to be optimistic of, as a Packers fan. Like, maybe we're not the best passing offense in the league maybe we don't have the best running game in the league maybe we don't have the best defense in the league we don't have any of those but we can do all of them pretty well i'd say like you said when when the passing game's not working we're going to ride aaron jones which to kind of talk about aaron jones here he had another huge game 192 total yards and a touchdown eight point something yards per carry which is by far his highest of the season uh, he had a monster game, monster, monster game. He was just every time he touched the ball, he was getting positive yards, making a guy miss or whatever, showing off his explosiveness.
1: Leading, yeah, he was our he was our leading receiver as well. Yeah.
0: Uh, I it just every time he does that, I just think, why don't we do this every week? Why don't we feature him every single week? Because every time we feature him, we usually end up doing pretty well. I mean, the score won't say that in this game, but it it in the second half in I think the third quarter, we went three four drives where he just we just wouldn't give him the ball, and we were it was like I said it was every play was Roger scrambling and waving and eventually throwing the ball in there so i i it's just so maddening. Why don't we give him the ball on most of our plays? I just don't get it. I mean, I love Jamal Williams, I don't even think this is a Jamal Williams issue because I think Aaron was in the game a sufficient amount, but why aren't we giving him the ball? Why aren't we giving him touches? Why are we trying to play this garbage passing offense that is clearly not working? That is just so frustrating to me because it's what we dealt with all of 2017 and all of 2018. And I think Matt LaFleur does a way more creative job of using him, using Aaron Jones than maybe Mike McCarthy did, but it just, come on, focus your game on him. Plan a game around this guy. Cause that that should be our offensive offensive identity, in my opinion. A lot of talk about what's our offensive identity. It needs to be Aaron Jones.
2: Yeah, man. This conversation is giving me twenty eighteen vibes. Like literally, that's the that was the biggest argument on, on Twitter, on Instagram, everything. Every we just wanted to feature Aaron Jones, and it never happened. And we, you know, we we got a glimpse of it this year. We've seen him just absolutely ball out both in the rushing and in the receiving game, and it, he's just kind of been faded recently and it's been hurting our offense I feel like
0: that's the one thing I'm hoping for and I I can't imagine Matt LaFleur would do this but I'm hoping it's kind of like a 2018 Patriots situation where uh, in the playoffs they just used Sony Michelle more than they had all season and they became a power running team maybe that's what we're gonna do (laughs) maybe we're gonna uh, host our first playoff game hopefully host it and we're just gonna ride Aaron Jones into the dirt but that is a stupid mindset to have if you're Matt LaFleur like come on I know he's kind of injury prone, but come on, win your games, man. No, Feature your talent.
1: We're winning, yeah, we're
0: but winning. I mean, <laughs> I guess, I guess we're
1: getting a, we're getting away with winning a lot of games that we're not playing our best football. And you know, if he if he's saying, look, we're not gonna display everything that we have in you know in some of these games that we can win without doing that. Maybe you know maybe that's his prerogative as the head coach. I'm not sure what it is, but as long that's as we're stupid. winning. That's stupid. As long as we're winning, it's hard to complain about things like this. Yeah. I mean, there's teams that are you know playing even worse than us and losing or playing even better than us than losing. You look at the Lions. They've, they've lost all their games that they've lost by less than a touchdown. And that's definitely difficult to, to stomach as a team in an organization when you're playing good football and losing. That was kind of like us last year. We were in every game you know, in, until it started getting towards the end. We were in every game against these great teams and we just weren't coming out with wins and things just weren't going our way even when we were playing good football this yeah, year it's and kind of the opposite you know we're, we're we're not playing our best football but we're coming out with big wins each and every week
0: yeah it, it it definitely is the opposite and as i said last year as a lot of people were saying last year uh we are destined to win more games in 2019 than we did in 2018 because we were all those games were so close, and just uh, regression to the mean. You're going to win more games if you if you're playing if you're losing close games. That's just kind of how it is. And same can be said for this year. I feel like because we are in a lot of close games, and we've been winning a lot of close games, and that is unsustainable. Just as much as losing close games is. The ball has kind of bounced our way in a, a couple a couple games this season that maybe has given us a win or two over the course of the season. But all that matters is that we're we're winning games and hopefully in the last three weeks and hopefully we get a buy in the playoffs, hopefully we can kind of figure out a an identity on offense and hopefully it's going to be Aaron Jones. Yeah, I, I just hope we're ready come playoff times, especially on the offensive side of the ball.
1: I'm not worried about really who it is so, so much as, you know, if it's working. And I don't really, I don't even know if I necessarily want an offensive identity at all. But as long as we're winning football games. Let's just keep that rolling and we can complain when we start losing. I
0: mean, yeah, we are a jack of all trades right now. But you don't want the offense to be Aaron Jones. You don't want him to be our main player because he's better than any other option we have right now. The passing game, I don't know what it is, but it's not working. So I I think the clear answer is to utilize Aaron Jones another thing that's confusing this is off topic but uh why aren't we using Jamal and Aaron in the game at the same time anymore we were teasing that at the beginning of the season we just stopped doing it and I think that's how we created so many mismatches with the linebackers uh with the opposing linebackers they we could use both of them out of the backfield and one of them are going to be open because teams don't usually have more than one cover linebacker and I think that I think we were getting away with that. We were succeeding with that. I don't know why we just went away from that. I don't know why we stopped with all these fun uh, backfield routes. I don't know why we stopped with Dan Vitale. It's like we teased these things early on, and they just completely uh, fallen off. Maybe <sighs> – I hate this, but maybe it has to do with Devontae Adams. Maybe he does. I don't know. This offense is so, so hard to wrap your head around right now.
1: Maybe we should just sit Devontae. I'm kidding.
0: Yeah. <laughs> people think we should trade Devontae Adams. You know people think that?
2: Real Please people. Know.
1: No, no intelligent human thinks that we should trade our Ah, uh, I don't know, man. Nobody, No intelligent person thinks that.
2: Where are we going to trade him for? Odell wasn't Beckham? that, on,
0: wasn't that on the Bill yeah. Michaels show? Or some Wisconsin local radio station? They tweeted out, Should the Packers trade Devontae Adams? Listen here at whatever link. Oh like, I swear to God, some verified Twitter account posted that. They got clowned on in the replies, of course, but yeah, that's stupid.
1: Well, with that, we're going to move on to the defense here. Uh, how do you guys think we played, you know, against not a great Redskins team, uh, but we did hold them to 15 points, one of those touchdowns coming in garbage time. So how do you guys think we did overall?
0: I thought they played well. I thought they played well enough against a far inferior opposition. Um, it kind of brought me back to the first three weeks of the season where we were playing Joe Flacco, Kirk Cousins when he was still terrible and uh, Mitch Trubisky, where we just looked dominant. And that's what it looked like. We Dwayne Haskins had no idea what he was doing. He was also injured, which helped, but the pressure was in his face all game. He had no, no idea where to go with the ball. He wasn't playing in rhythm. So I think that's what you wanted against a rookie quarterback who was with no head coach with such a dumpster fire franchise and last in the league. That offense is last in the league in every category. Um. so I think I think I was pretty satisfied
2: yeah man obviously going against Dwayne Haskins he's been pretty bad this year rookie year not really much to expect from him and yeah he got hurt pretty early in the game and we were able to sack him four times and pick them off once I that's the kind of performance you want against a offense like the Redskins they're just they they were just running the ball a lot Adrian Peterson had 20 carries and a touchdown 76 yards that that was pretty much their offense they were just kind of exploiting the fact that our run defense has been pretty bad all year but I thought the pass defense held up pretty well finally Dwayne Haskins hooked up with Terry McLaren I believe that was their first touchdown together all year um, Terry McLaren was Case Keenum's favorite receiver and he was balling out when Case Keenum was a starter but yeah I, I had one garbage time touchdown like you were saying Brian was the uh, was the reason it looked so close this game 15 points like that's that's a pretty good game from the defense
1: yeah absolutely I, I completely agree the defense definitely played a, a really solid game despite kind of you know getting gashed a little bit by by Darius Geist to start uh, you know but speaking of some of those injuries you know dwayne haskins and Darius guys not that we want to you know injure guys but I just I've noticed that this this team this defense this pass rush is just a much more physical unit than we've had in in many years and you know we're just really we're just being very physical when we're getting to the quarterback you know when we're tackling guys it's just something we haven't seen and the evidence of that is is those guys coming up limping a lot, and just the last two weeks, you know, you you saw you saw Daniel Jones go out, and Dwayne Haskins as well coming down with ankle injuries and things like that. Darius Geist went out, obviously, and yeah, I just think that physicality is big because we want to assert our dominance on that defensive side of the ball. That's a huge thing that we haven't done in many years, and and a lot of teams especially last year, they were beating us. Even, you know, when we were playing neck and neck with them in terms of talent, a lot of the times we would lose games like that because the other team was more physical than us. And I think in this case this year, we're the more physical team in, in most of our matchups, and, and that's what's helping us win games as well.
2: Yeah, man, Cedarius so last week was absolutely an animal. Like, he has been all year. He's just constantly just bull rushing, getting, you know, getting the lineman in the face of the quarterback. You know, obviously getting past the and getting sacks, and, and we finally saw Kenny Clark kind of break out. He's he's been a little quiet when it comes to stats this year, but he had a he had a one and a half uh, sack game, and that, that's just good to see because we had very high expectations for Kenny Clark going into his contract year. And yeah, he was an animal, just like just like we saw last year. That was that was really good to see. Yeah, ever since Kenny
1: Clark kind of dealt with those injuries he was dealing with, kind of got over those and got healthy. He's been a monster, and and it's not showing up in the stat sheet every week, but it certainly did on Sunday against the Redskins, and uh, he's looked great for us, and he's just been an absolute disruptor uh, in the middle there, and we need him to continue that level of play heading into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the player Kenny Clark has always been. He's not he's not going to light up the stat sheet with uh, tackles for losses or uh, sacks, but he's definitely a dominant defensive tackle. He's He mans the middle. He is the guy that opposing offenses have to worry about in the run game. Um, he gets double on almost every play. That that just goes to show how disruptive he is as a player. And he's finally getting over that injury. We saw him last week. He played very well last week as well. So that's good to see. But the entire front four really I thought was the 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 highlight of the defense because they were creating pressure on it seemed like every drop back, every drop back, some someone was coming free. And I think we're finally starting to see Mike Patton get a little fun with his um with his alignments up front. We saw on quite a few snaps on Sunday, we saw the combinations of Z'Darrius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, and Kenny Clark. Three outside linebackers and only one defensive lineman. And that's something we were kind of talking about. And going back to training camp, we were really excited to see how Mike Pettin would utilize so such dynamic uh, Players up front and he's getting he's getting fun with it. And that's such a dominant combination, too Uh, I know there's the one play going around Twitter right now where it's that alignment and (laughs) almost immediately as um, Haskins touched the ball all four of those guys beat their guys and he's got nowhere to go Obviously it didn't help that he was injured but he had nowhere to go with it, and he just took a sack. So I think I think we should definitely start utilizing that combination more often, especially as Rashawn Gary continues to develop more and more every single week.
1: Our pass rush has been maybe the most consistent part of our entire football team the entire season. I mean, just the level of play that those guys bring in, out each and every week, it's kind of unprecedented, really. Uh, with the With the complete overhaul of talent that we've had, just absolute dominance each and every week we're dominating in the trenches and that's how you win football games and all these little things it's nothing like you know our passing game is lighting it up you know it's nothing like that it's the little things that we do and that's why we have 10 wins in 13 weeks the more little things we do that's how we that's how we beat teams and, and the pass rush is certainly no little little factor in why we're winning football games and it's making it easier on everybody on defense and offense.
0: Yeah, we saw on Sunday, Mike Patton kind of revert back to what he's known for, what he's good at, and that's creating free rushers with all kinds of blitzes where everyone everyone lines up at the line and you don't know who's coming. He seems to utilize that kind of defense more against inexperienced quarterbacks, as we said before on this podcast. But, I mean, he should be doing that more often, no? It seems like, um, and obviously this because he only does it against – inexperienced quarterbacks, but it seems like every time we we uh load up the box and then send like some nickel corner and put uh maybe Kenny Clark uh um, in coverage, which we did a couple times, seems like that always works out well for the defense. It certainly did on Sunday, as we saw. So I'd like to see Mike Petton get a little more aggressive with his blitzes. Cause I mean, whatever he was doing wasn't working. His his passive style of defense, as we saw uh for a stretch in the middle of the season, that was just getting Chewed up, chewed up by opposing quarterbacks and opposing offensive coordinators every week. So it's nice to see him kind of revert back to what he's good at as a defensive coordinator.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of third downs on, on Sunday where we kind of dropped seven or you know, and, and were rushing four, stuff like that. And a lot of the time, we're better off just sending our guys and doing what we do best on defense because that, that kind of keeps, you know, because we only... A guy like Haskins, who's hurt at that at that time, only has so much time and can't really move. So if we're sending guys, he's a rookie quarterback and and he doesn't have that vision where he can just go get the read really quick and just throw the football. He, you know, unless it's open, which with Jair Alexander back there, his first read a lot of the time isn't going to be open. So uh, I just think a lot of the time we should be sending blitzes more often on third down, which we have done, but it's got to. I don't know the exact stat, but it's got to be around 50 where. We're either sending blitzes on, on third and longs or over dropping a lot of guys in the coverage.
2: Yeah, we were without Kevin King last week and I thought Tremon Williams and Josh Jackson held up pretty well. Tremon Williams has had a, you know, significant role in this defense, but we haven't really seen a lot of Josh Jackson and I thought he played pretty well. I agree, man. He had twenty snaps and after really not playing much at all this season on
1: defense. And, you know, after uh after we heard that Kevin King was gonna be out, something I immediately thought was, Well, this is Josh Jackson's chance to come in and, and play because at least some snaps, because really you would have to think Tremont is the next guy, because Tony Brown was also injured, so Tremont was the next guy to move to the outside, and he's been playing slot for us, so uh, it was really Channon Sullivan and Josh Jackson who were splitting those slot snaps, and Channon and Sullivan obviously kind of that Swiss Army knife playing all over the secondary, but uh, Josh Jackson really did, help. he held up nicely, and it was good to see because he's been coming back from injuries, and just you know kind of getting back in the flow of the defense and, and he did a good job of that on Sunday
0: yeah it's nice to ease him back into it against such an incompetent offense and uh you know Tony Brown was also uh, along with Kevin King so it really what he did get the call he had to come in next man up and he performed very well as you both said what I liked is we kind of shadowed Jair Alexander with uh over Terram Claren which which uh I wish we do, would do more of with Jair I wish we would let him follow the other team's number one receiver. It seemed like we were only doing that because Kevin King was out. But I think Kevin King or Jair Alexander is definitely our best cover corner. And we've seen kind of uh, opposing receivers eat us up. And maybe maybe that's because they're lining up on Kevin King a lot of the time. So, yeah, I wish, I wish we would shadow Jair more often.
1: Jair was so, so good on Sunday.
0: He always is, man
1: he is he really is so, such a good player he's really established himself you know especially with Kevin King out this week he he showed what he can do uh, and he's he's the clear number 1 corner in green bay clear top 10 corner in the NFL i i just i'm so proud of of what he's done for us so far and he's been that anchor in that secondary that we needed and that we haven't had since like sam shields you know and that's going back now so I I was very, very excited to see him kind of shut down a a young up-and-coming star at wide receiver in Terry McLaurin. And, yeah, I'd like to see him definitely come out and 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 shadow other receivers because when he sets his, like, sights on a guy and he kind of learns his tendencies throughout the game, like, and I noticed he he kept getting better as the game went on uh, until the second half things started, uh, you know, different personnel started coming in and and McLaurin started playing better. At that point, uh, Jair wasn't shadowing him completely. Uh, but in the first half, which he was, he just continued to kind of key in on, his, on on Terry's tendencies, and it, he just outperformed him in every way. I don't even know if he allowed him a catch in the first half, did he? I, he I might have been one, no more than one. I don't think
0: so. I don't yeah,
1: think so. yeah, it was very impressive by Jair. And, and you'd like to see him do that against some of these other, you know, like Allen Robinson, I, I would love to see him you know, match up with Allen Robinson next week. The Vikings obviously have two guys. One of them's not healthy right now, but th- th- but they have two great receivers. And then the Lions have Kenny Galladay. So I would have no problem putting Jair up against any of those guys. So I- I'm, just, I'm just glad to see him playing at a high level. I wish we could
0: have some inside linebackers who were more than competent against the pass because it seems like the only time Jair gets beat is inside when he's playing zone you're you're going to push everything inside cuz you're expecting inside help but when our inside linebackers are not good against the pass we get beat over the middle a ton and Jair gets beat inside more way more often than he gets beat outside so if we could just yeah, get that some that is
1: a, that has a lot to do with Mike Pettin having the guys play more outside you know outside coverage type things like uh, and that's just a tendency of Mike Pettin's man coverage yeah. defense overall so
0: yeah that that's just Zone defense, you're gonna, you're gonna want to push everything inside because there's supposed to be uh, guys playing coverage inside. But when, like I said, our linebackers aren't the best at that, it we get exploited there a lot. And you know, every week we get beat with a crossing route where someone inside, whether it be a linebacker or safety or nickel corner, doesn't do their job, doesn't follow the right the right route or whatever happens. Uh, that we get beat by that a lot. So just imagine this this defense with. Good, reliable, cover linebackers. Then we could have Jair. Just he, that could be like Revis Island. Like we could just have him sit on one side of the field, and if if whoever he's lined up against, you're just gonna get shut out. You're gonna he's gonna funnel everything inside, and whatever goes deep on his sideline is gonna be shut down. That'd be awesome, cause I think he does think, have that talent.
1: Yeah, I think Mike Petton's kind of gotten comfortable uh, since Ibrahim Campbell has, has come back. I think he's gotten comfortable uh putting Campbell in that second middle linebacker slot on nickel defense and things like that. I think uh I think he has a lot of confidence in him and his abilities to cover the middle and I think they're going to continue to do that and hopefully that kind of helps. We saw it, we saw it have a couple couple benefits on on Sunday against the Redskins. We, we were a little better in terms of the inside passing game on defense than we've been in recent weeks. Uh you know, no Redskins tight end particularly did extremely well against us so that was a change in what we've seen recently, and I think that has a lot to do with the game plan overall on defense, which I thought was was one of the better ones we've had.
2: Yeah, have you guys noticed we've been using BJ Goodson a lot less lately? Ever since Ibrahim Campbell got activated, it's been it's been a lot of Channing, Selvin, and Sullivan uh, and Ibrahim Campbell instead of BJ Goodson in the middle there. I mean, I haven't really seen any like jaw dropping results from the defense since we've done that, but and. I like the idea of it get somebody fast in there because that middle there our defense has been rough lately both in the run and pass defense
0: Yeah, yeah, that's been interesting. We know Mike Patton would probably prefer uh, uh, He likes to play small. He likes to defend the pass rather than the run. We know that So I'm sure he prefers a guy like Ibrahim Campbell or Shannon Sullivan over a big-bodied linebacker downhill defender like BJ Goodson and uh, just to expand on that Our run defense is still (laughs) very bad. Uh, We we shut down Dwayne Haskins. The passing game couldn't get the ball moving until late in the fourth. But they had a few drives uh, in the middle of the game where they just called like seven, eight straight runs. And every every single one was going for five, six, seven, ten yards. Uh, Darius Geist averaging nine yards a carry before he – almost nine yards a carry before he left the game. It was – it was brutal. It's like, what, is there even a solution to this anymore? Is that just who we are? We're just not good against the run? Because wow.
1: I feel like we were better overall in in the run defense than just the past few weeks. We've been, we've been better. And and I think, especially on that first drive, you saw them kind of shut down a couple runs there uh, early on. And that was a a huge momentum builder for our offense to go and get a score. Uh, But yeah, there was a lot of runs that we kind of stopped at the line of scrimmage or maybe for one or two yard gains. And I think the more we do that, the better off we'll be going forward. Obviously, uh, the the thing that hurts us is when is when teams come out and you know get one or two big runs that change the game. I, I'd rather I'd rather obviously we just allow a couple runs for you know four five six yards at a time at most. Uh, that way we just are consistent enough where we can stop the run to some extent and still try to make teams pass on us, which is the ultimate goal.
0: Yeah, the real worry there is that. We're going to face a team in the playoffs that just just, just commits to the run, which a lot of teams that we've beat up on on defense haven't done. They've, whether it be because we have a big lead or whatever it may be, they just stop giving the ball to the running back and they just commit to the passing game. And that's where we kind of shut them down. But, I mean, imagine, imagine us facing the Saints in the playoffs. Do you think Sean Payton's going to abandon the run? No, he's going to run Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray into the dirt he's not stupid that's the real weakness of our team we put it on film every single week so I'm very scared <laughs> of an opposing offense uh just running up and down the field on us because Mike Penton's he said this like week three or week four it's a lot easier to fly to Miami than it is to walk there which is true but we're going to face a team eventually I'm sure that's going to be content with walking to Miami and maybe we'll be facing a team that's content with walking there this week. We have the Chicago Bears coming to Green Bay. Uh, 200th meeting. 200th meeting between these two teams. the uh, Oldest rivalry in sports. And it should be a good one. It really should. The Bears are 7-6. and six. They are on a three-game win streak. Mitch Trubisky is playing better. A little bit better. Um, they are still in playoff contention, believe it or not, after that horrible start to the season after being 4-6, and six, uh, they are still in playoff contention. They need some help, but it starts with them winning out, and that starts with Week 15 at the Packers. and it, It's definitely going to be a big game for them. It's probably going to be, be a bigger game that, for them than it is for us, which isn't surprising. Um, so, yeah, they're going to come to play. This is a must-win for them. Are you guys at all worried of this Chicago Bears team? Because uh, I, think, I think we should be.
1: Yeah, you're definitely worried about a, a desperate team who's fighting for their playoff lives. We kind of saw that with the Eagles that that loss that we had against them they were really desperate because you know sitting at one and two if they were to move to one and three that that would be a tough hill to climb and they're still overcoming some of the losses that they took so far now but yeah that was a desperate team and they came out and, and they beat us uh and the LA Chargers were desperate they're, they were fighting for their playoff lives and they came out and beat us so we're going to have to – we have to kind of be desperate too because we're trying to make the playoffs as well now, and, and this is the time where we're just as desperate as anybody to get in the dance. I wouldn't say I'm nervous or scared because we can beat this team. We beat them in week one, and we've only gotten better. So I, I, I would like to think that we can go out and do our job here and essentially put away the Bears' playoff hopes. That would be a real nice thing to do.
2: Yeah, man, the Bears are in the same exact position that we were in 2018. We, we had to go to Chicago Week 15 and just play for our lives. The Bears, the Bears were pretty much playing for the division that week, and now it's opposite. They got to come to Lambeau, and they're they're trying to, you know possibly make it they need a lot to happen i believe they need the vikings to lose out and the rams to lose at least two out of these last three games which which is a tough task but you know it starts this week with the packers and they're you know they're on a three-game win streak they've won four out of the last five and mr bisky's playing a little bit better than he was earlier and you know the defense hasn't really changed the defense is the defense has been really good so far this year just like you said, I do think this this game is going to be a lot tougher than people were thinking earlier in the year. The Bears are on a roll, and the Packers aren't. <laughs> they, there's no such thing as an easy win in these past couple games for the Packers. This is going to be a this is going to be a good game. I'm excited.
0: We both kind of are on the not opposite ends of the spectrum, but close to it. We're trending downwards a little bit, hopefully only a little bit. And the Bears are definitely trending upwards and. It's funny because I had an inter- interaction with a Bears fan earlier this week where I was kind of, like, laughing. Like, it was kind of funny to me that they thought they had a shot at the playoffs, but he broke it down for me, <laughs> and they actually do. They they don't need that much help. They need some help, obviously, but, I mean, they just need uh, the Vikings to lose a couple games here, which they play the Bears week 17, so uh, it's in their own destiny. And then they need the Rams to drop one, or maybe two. But those fans definitely are hopeful for a playoff spot, and you better believe that team is as well. They're going to come in prepared, and hopefully we're just as prepared. Like, as you said, Bron, that's a great point. At, against desperate teams this season, we have not played well. So I, I hope we, we're not—I I hate trap games. I don't think trap games are a real thing, but I do I do believe some some weeks we prepare more than others. And, I mean, I hope we come into this game ready to expect a fight we I hope we're not I don't know why we would but I hope we're not expecting them to just lie down cuz they are a very tough team. Mitch Trubisky as much as we clown on him is playing better the past few weeks. Um I still don't think he's I still don't think he's good and the hope is maybe that he plays well to close out the season and then the Bears stick with him, maybe give him an extension this offseason. That'd be hilarious, but but yeah, I I am kind of worried about this game cuz imagine imagine we lose this game cuz then were what 10 and 4 and we're going into Minnesota in a game that suddenly became virtually a, a must win for the division like that that would be that would not be ideal
1: yeah no it would not be ideal that's for sure because then you're talking about going into Minnesota being a game that we have to win and that wow i mean that's that's a tough position to be in i don't care who you are i mean that's that's become one of the hardest places to play in the NFL
0: yeah, they're undefeated the at home this yeah. season.
1: Yeah, spe- and and for us especially, we haven't won in that building yet. I mean, we've we've said that ad nauseum, but uh, the thing about that game is, I don't want to get into it too much, but uh, you know, that's a Monday night football game, and Kirk Cousins is zero and eight on Monday night football. He, I, I, these these might be useless stats, but you know, you have to account for them when, when you're looking at the opponent and things like that. But the problem is, he's playing better, and and he always plays good against us, regardless. So. Uh, we have to expect a great Minnesota team, and, and before we even get that far, we have to expect a great Bears team, and we have to pretend they have a great quarterback, and we have to play them like they're one of the best teams in football in order to get the win here uh, this Sunday. So I just, I really can't express the importance of this game enough. We have to come out and make a statement, whether that's beating them soundly or just getting a win and and dominating on defense, whatever the case may be, we have to make a statement and we have to make the Vikings scared of us when we come down to their stadium.
0: Yeah, I'd be I'd be happy with another ten to three win, honestly. uh Mitch Trubisky, they're they're kind of letting him run more. I've noticed. Like I know that's the thing a lot of Bears fans complain about how they're forcing him to be a pocket passer when that's just not who he is. So I think the past on their winning streak they're on, he's a lot more mobile. Matt Nagy's uh, kind of loosening the leash, let him scramble when he needs to, because <laughs> we all know he's not a good passer. Um, so I think that's something we we should be worrying about. Maybe his wheels—he looked like he looked like kind of like a a run first quarterback on some snaps against the Cowboys. So uh, that's something we certainly have to worry about. I think we've I think we've contained mobile quarterbacks pretty well this season. I mean, we haven't played too many. Uh, Dak Prescott. I guess we contain him pretty well. Yeah, I think that's something but we that's need to gonna focus. Be
1: a, yeah, that's going to be a problem. I mean, Mitch Trubisky is maybe one of the best running quarterbacks in football, and it was kind of surprising to see him just kind of Matt Nagy just kind of throw that out of the playbook and make try to make him something that he's not, which is a good quarterback, and that's kind of <laughs> harsh and, and that's a bit cynical. Yeah, but I, I just you have to use his strength to his advantage, and when you just take probably the best element of his game as a quarterback away, they're going to struggle. And, the, and it's, they've, there's a lot of factors that have gone into them playing better overall, but the fact that he's been able to kind of let loose and have the option to run with the football in his hands, uh, that's something that's helped them win games in a big way. So, and we are not the best against mobile quarterbacks, so we're going to have to figure out a game plan to account for that, as well as their sound running game. You know they've got some receivers on the outside. We their offense is no joke, so we can't just we can't rely on our defense to just you know score you know stop them and and we don't have to score much. We're gonna have to come out and beat a good Bears defense. Uh, and that good Bears defense is without a couple guys, but it's also uh they're gonna have Akeem Hicks back even though they just actually lost Roquan Smith for the season. So uh, a couple moving parts in there. But what do you guys think of the Bears defense as we head into? A uh, big game versus the Bears at Lam.
0: Well, yeah, that's what I think we should uh, be keying in on. That no Roquan Smith, but they are getting H- Akeem Hicks back. But I think that's easy to offset if you're the Packers. I mean, uh, when they've got Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks in the game, their off or their def, their pass rush is exponentially better than uh, minus the one of them. So I think the way you offset that is with the passing with the quick passing game, and the quick passing game can go to the running backs because the Bears don't have Roquan Smith. Funny how that works. I think we can create a lot of mismatches this week, similar to what we saw in week seven and eight against the Chiefs and Raiders. That's what I'm hoping for, anyways. I'm hoping we get back to the quick passing game, uh, design routes, design plays for the running backs out of the backfield. Cause, God, we just need we just need to do whatever was working back in the middle of the season. Cause God knows it's not working right now. Whatever we're doing, I think this is the perfect week to get kind of get back to, into that style of offense.
1: Yeah, you're right. I and what I'm concerned about is if we go into the game with a similar a similar game plan like we did against the 49ers, where we're gonna scheme things open and things like that. And when we're facing a pass rush that's really gonna not give us much time to get guys open and things of that nature, we have to get the quick passing game going. And when Matt LaFleur wasn't gonna change the game plan and, you know, we were just kind of just struggling to get plays off because we had no time in the pocket for Aaron. I'm just afraid that that's going to happen. Hopefully Matt LaFleur recognizes what we're going up against, sees what we did against the 49ers and self-corrects there, and we're going to have to come out and really pass the ball quickly. The quick passing game, is it seems like we talk about this a lot, but that's really been one of the most successful ways our passing offense can win. And I think this week is especially advantageous for us if we come out and use that to our advantage and, and just get, Aaron Jones involved, get Jamal Williams involved, you know Adams on screens, Geronimo get him short passing, you know let him get in the open field and make moves. Even MVS, we can if we use his speed to to our ability and to our advantage, we can get him the ball and kind of let him make plays like he did in the Kansas City game on on minimal you know minimal catches, but he goes and takes them for for a lot of yards after the catch. So uh, we I think the the short passing game and the quick passing game is something we need to get back to. Uh, and we don't have to score a ton of points but if we move the ball well on offense we can win the game
2: i don't think 10 points is going to do it this time week one we you know we only put up 10 and we were able to win by a touchdown i don't think that's going to be the case this time the bears defense isn't the cr- the crazy turnover you know they were, I, I believe they led the league in in turnovers last year this time not the same but they're still top five and uh points allowed with only 17 so this is going to be a tough matchup i the Bears defense isn't getting as much hype as they were last year, but they're still, they're still a super solid unit. You know, losing Roquan Smith is going to hurt, but getting Hakeem Hicks back, that pass rush is going to be dangerous, man. I, I hope the tackles can hold up this time. They had a lot of trouble week one. I believe Aaron got sacked five times. Yeah, man, this I I can't stress it enough. This game is going to be tough. We really got to defend Lambeau. I, I hate losing to the Bears at home. I, I just don't even want to think about it, but yeah, man. If if we can just beat the Bears and then just have a statement game next week, I think that that locks up the division, doesn't it?
0: Uh, well, if we win this it week, does, does
1: yeah. if
0: we win this week, does next week even matter really?
1: Well, we'd still have to beat the Lions. Because, uh, like, let's say we lost to the Vikings in Week 16, we would have to beat the Lions. Okay.
0: Well, it uh make well <laughs> like like I said already, if we lose this week, that Vikings game becomes so so important for us. So yeah it's it'd definitely be nice to defend Lambeau get a great win two hundredth meeting of this iconic rivalry get a great win get the uh get the momentum up going into minnesota a place we've never won it's definitely needed it's definitely needed it's def this game is definitely important for both parties and it hasn't always been like that in the uh, Packers Bears rivalry history, but yeah it's gonna be a great game the energy I'm sure is gonna be amazing at Lambeau freezing cold. Week 15, playoff implications, December football. It's going to be great. But for this podcast, that's going to do it. Uh, this podcast is now on Spotify today in Town on Spotify. It's going to be on iTunes shortly. Of course, it's on YouTube. You can listen to it on any of those three platforms. And, uh, yeah, for me, for Bron at Lambo Leapers and Mason at Packer Posts, uh we'll see you next time and go Pack Go.